The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. It is the end of the season, and at this point, we're all pretty much playing hurt. Someone I met today, uh, an insider friend of show, Jake Fisher, told me I sound like I have been smoking two packs of cigarettes for the last two weeks at night. So um, sounds like my voice is starting to go on me. But the show continues. The show continues because we got some things to do. Let's start first. Uh, before we break down on what happened the first playing games, I have a gripe to get off my chest. Uh, hey, Adam Silver, can you use your hammer of justice uh, to officially make the playing games count as playoff games? Can we get some stats? Can those stats count for something? Because what most people don't know, that stats from playing games don't count towards the regular season. They don't count towards the playoffs. They're just lost. They're just gone. They count for nothing. They're gone forever. Even basketball reference, which I couldn't live one day without, doesn't even have play-in stats when you call up a player's season game log. So what do you have to do? You have to go into the individual games themselves. Do you remember when Jason Tatum put up 50 uh, on the Wizards in the 2020 play-in game? Good luck finding that. Good luck seeing that it was real. Jason Tatum's going to tell his son that. Uh, Deuce Tatum, when Deuce Tatum's like 10 years old, and then Deuce Tatum's going to be like, prove it to me. You can't. Do those stats count towards his career totals? Who the fuck knows? I don't know. Fix this. Otherwise, people are going to think that the play-in game is an exhibition game because finding summer league stats, I think, is easier than finding stats for the play-in games. I digress. Fascinating things happened in the first play-in games. Mostly, they have to do with the teams that lost, though. So, okay, Miami. They were the number one seed in the East last year. Might not make the playoffs this year. The Pelicans, one of the most exciting teams coming into the season this year. They were 
at one point this season the best team in the West. They were number one in the West before Zion got hurt. We were all excited about what they would do. They took Phoenix to the brink last year. And you know what? They're going to watch the playoffs from the couch. 3-2-1 Cancun. So it goes. The Wolves were considered to be one of the best young hot teams. They made the move for Rudy Gobert so that they could win right now. And you know what they're doing? They are hoping upon all hope that they can they can beat the OKC Thunder tomorrow or tonight. And the Raptors. The Raptors were so exciting. The Raptors, everyone had these huge expectations for them. You have multiple players to play defense, and you know what you do? You get cooked by DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. You don't make the playoffs, and now you're rebuilding. All of these teams have had success recently, had high expectations, and now they're at the crossroads. You're going to probably either see roster rebuilds or coaching changes in, in all of those scenarios. That's the thing. That's the thing about expectations. If you perform ahead of schedule and then you take a step back, oftentimes you pay a price. People are like, what are we doing? What's wrong with Toronto? What's wrong with the Pelicans? It's like, I don't know, like C.J. McCollum tore his labrum. I don't know. His thumb also torn. Like Brandon Ingram was insane. Like Herb Jones can't shoot threes. Like have you seen his three-point shot? It's a push shot. It's a 10-year-old girl's push shot and probably even worse than that. What are we doing? And now we've got issues, right? On to the games and their implications. Hawks, 116-105 to the Heat. I thought there was no chance for the Atlanta Hawks. None. Hawks pulled a major upset to the fact that all 17 ESPN commenters picked the Heat to beat them. DeJounte Murray tweeted the joke's on you when he heard this because the reality is the joke is on all of us. It wasn't because we underestimated the Hawks. It was because we overestimated the Heat. The Heat fucking suck. Okay? We're going to talk a little bit later about how Brian Windhorst thinks that Damian Lillard's going to the Heat. And to that end, I say for who? For who? Who do we want? Who do the Blazers want? No one. No one on that godforsaken team. There is real trouble brewing in Miami. And it might end up that the roster altogether just disintegrates. Eric Spolstra might end up having to find a new job. I, I was asked before the BetMGM show, my betting show, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being 0 and 10 being very confident, how confident are you that the Hawks can pull up an upset against the Heat? And I said 1. I said 1. There's no chance. The Hawks suck. The Heat missed 15 layups, I think. It was like Saran Wrap was around the rim. You had Quinn Snyder coaching his little ass off out there. You had Spo looking shook. They out-rebounded the Miami Heat by a gajillion. I think Clint Capella had 21 rebounds. The high-low action between uh, Bam on Bam and Lowry. It was like mouse in the house, mouse in the house. It was one of those scenarios where you're like, oh, yeah, like it's never really close. Heat can make a couple of runs, and Atlanta just keeps extending said lead. You could see the writing on the wall as it went on. You could see almost the future of the two teams in front of you playing, right? You're like, oh, like actually the future's kind of bright for the Hawks. I can see what they're trying to do. Like, oh, I see guys moving without the basketball. I see it. You see Miami, and you're like, oh, God, Miami, I think, is done. Kyle Lowry, where has he been? Came out of retirement for this game. He played. He, I think he played all the minutes. I think he went on a fast for this. He had over 30. It did not matter. Trey played well. DeJounte played well. Uh, 
Onyeka Okongwu was incredible. Five for six, 12 points, 20 minutes, plus seven. Sadiq Bey was everywhere. That team looked good. It was really cool, too, to see how uh, the Hawks moved without the ball. This is exactly the type of offense that Quinn Snyder wanted to run in, uh, in Utah. It's just, like, so simple, a change. I don't know. Is it weird to say that, like, when you move without the basketball when um, and just continue to do it and pass to those people who are moving that it's, like, hard to get open shots? It's weird that people just don't do that. They just stand around the perimeter and hope that they're going to get open. It's, like, very obvious and simple that, hey, when you don't have the ball, why don't you cut? Cut to the lane, cut away from the lane, literally instrument some sort of motion offense, and then pass to the guys that are moving. Like, that's that's what it was. Sadiq Bey was everywhere, looking like Gary Payton II, cutting to the basket, deflecting balls, hitting timely threes. Like, oh, wow, like Sadiq Bey, get him out of Detroit, get him with a real coach, and Jesus Christ, like Sadiq Bey's pretty good. Now the Hawks take on the Celtics, and I'll just say this. Uh, the Hawks already have dismantled one franchise in the East. You better watch out or Jalen Brown's going to go somewhere else. I'm not saying that the Hawks have a chance to beat the Celtics. I'm just saying that they're not going to roll over, and Quinn Snyder's for real. Quinn Snyder is coaching this team much better than Lloyd Pierce or Nate McMillan ever did. This is what a real coach looks like. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Uh, let's see how Rob Williams looks, because uh, Capella and Okongwu are coming for him. If his knee isn't right, we'll have to see. I'm really excited, too, to see Trey Young versus Marcus Smart. Trey averages 26-8-3 against Boston in his career. He's already had 31-4-11 this year. And then outside of that, in Miami, the nail's in the coffin. They're already dead. The Bulls are going to slice him and dice him and eat him for breakfast. No chance. It's time for South Beach to go on vacation. It's been an incredible year, an incredibly bad one, and it's time for them to make some choices. Moving forward, Lakers 108, Wolves 102. Oh, my God. What was that game? That game stunk. It was the most, it was the most dramatic and bad fourth quarter I think I've ever seen. I, I think that the Wolves put up 12 points in the fourth quarter. LeBron James was a freak. He played 45 out of the 53 minutes, including all of overtime. AD chipped in. Oh, yeah, and by the way, LeBron had 30, 10, and 6 with a steal and two blocks. Anthony Davis was really good, 24, 15, and 5. He had two steals, three blocks. And listen, the problem for Minnesota and for Carl Anthony Towns is that Carl Anthony Towns is just not that guy. You can't have him be the tone setter. You just can't. Because when he's setting the tone, he's fouling guys and getting into trouble. He had, I think, two fouls in like two minutes. All of a sudden, he's sitting on the bench because he's got three fouls in the first half or something like that. You have to figure out a way to stay on the floor. Carl Anthony Towns, that's the point. You have no center. Rudy Gobert is nowhere to be found. He's been sent away from the team, jettisoned. And that's all you have is you. It's, it's crazy. The Wolves still had a chance to win. Even with all that, they still had a chance to win. Mike Conley is really good. You see why they brought him in. 
Uh, Anthony Edwards was, again, nothing. He was dealing with a shoulder issue. I think he was 0 for 9 from 3, continued to chuck, wasn't aggressive, uh, didn't use his athleticism at all. It was just one of those scenarios where you're wondering, where is the guy that shows up in these big moments? Will the fighting Frenchman, Rudy Gobert, aha, bonjour, Rudy, will he be a factor in this next game? Uh, We'll have to see. As for the Lakers, man, you got to give them a gritty win for that. They look like they were on the ropes. They look like they were dead. And now they take on a Memphis team without Steven Adams, uh, without Brandon Clark, and a Jaron Jackson who's just basically like Carl Anthony Towns, a guy who's a undersized five who should really play four, who's always in foul trouble, and the backup is Xavier Tillman. So it's not really a great scenario. Is Anthony Davis going to eat these boys for lunch? Probably. As long as Anthony Davis is healthy, the Lakers should win this series. Adilo was a massive disappointment against the Grizzlies last year in the playoffs. How will he redeem himself? We're going to have to see. But he's up for a contract, and if he doesn't play well in the playoffs, I don't know that the Lakers want to extend him. To me, the, the X factor is Dennis Schroeder. He was incredible in that game against the, uh, the T-Wolves. <laughs> Everywhere. He was pretty much their only guy that you could rely on to hit timely shots. He was deflecting balls. He was defensively everywhere. It's going to be interesting. It's probably the best matchup for the Lakers that they could ask for. Because why? Because the Grizzlies can't shoot threes, and neither can the Lakers. That's pretty much it. You saw Darvin Ham go away from all the guys that he traded for, which I thought was hilarious. They were all sitting their asses on the bench, and it was just the normies. Austin Reeves, we need to have a big series for them. If there is an upset in the first round that happens, I think that this is it right here. Moving forward, Bulls 109, Raptors 105. What a fucking game that was. Raptors get out to a massive lead. Credit to the Bulls. They do not give up. They turn their season around. Everyone thought that they were dead. All they did was pick up. It was just Pat Beverly, wasn't it? It was just him. All of a sudden, they're one of the better teams in the East since the trade deadline. This team is now dangerous. They upset a Raptors team that most people thought would have very little problem winning this game. I think the Raptors closed as six-and-a-half-point favorites. Midway through the third, the Raptors were up 15 points, and then the Bulls just locked in. Oh, my God. You can't let Zach Levine slice you like a hot knife through butter. I think he had, what, 14, 14 in the third quarter? You can't, you, I mean, you can't do that. You cannot do that. That's the problem with fucking around with a team with a couple of superstars and a couple of gritty defensive dudes. Levine had almost 40, had 39 points. DeRozan had 23. You add those two things together, and that's hard to to compete with. They missed 18 of 36 free throws. Why? What happened? Well, DeMar DeRozan brought his 9-year-old daughter there, and she screamed blood-curdling bloody murder uh, in the 6, in Toronto. He brought her to Toronto so that she could scream murder every time that a, a Raptor went to the free throw line. Now it's a long offseason for the Raptors. Just like Kyle Anderson said, you've got a lot of decisions to make during the summer. Nick Nurse probably gone. Pascal maybe gone. OG maybe gone. Fred Van Fleet for sure gone. Gary Trent probably gone. So we could have just the Scotty Barnes summer. And that's it. Uh, it might just be a rebuilding team and a bunch of draft picks. OKC 123. New Orleans Pelicans 118. Man. Man, oh man, was that a good one. OKC's a gritty little fun team, aren't they? Lou Dort, 
was incredible. He was hitting threes upon threes. He was making it rain. The the Pelicans were containing Shea, and you had to say to yourself, at some point he's going to be able to break through. And you know what? Uh, Giddy and Dort went off. 31, 31 for Giddy, 27 for Dort, and then Shea still figured out a way to get 30. A quiet 30, but man. And he didn't have a free throw in the first half. Starting five for OKC, all under the age of 23. All five played 32 minutes or more. With Shea, Giddy, Dort all playing an average of 40 minutes, scoring 88 points combined. Look out. OKC now moves to play the Wolves. And this is a matchup nightmare for the Wolves. Denver awaits. Both OKC and Minnesota could be trouble for that team in different ways. We're going to find out how good Denver is soon enough. 